Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Carmelo Marsala. He is the founder and CEO of SprayNet, which is a home improvement painting franchise now with over 125 territories across North America and growing. They have some pretty unique um, ways of, of how they paint houses and, and kitchens. And so I'm pretty excited to share his story and uh, get rolling here. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. So I guess to start, how did you get into the painting business? Well, actually, I was looking for a way to kind of get through university, college, whatever you want to call it. And I actually uh, was a student painting franchisee. So I was actually a franchisee before. Okay. Um, so I was painting houses and I did pretty well, actually, throughout university, uh, made, made a good amount of money, uh, but I wasn't quite satisfied with what we were doing. Um, we we're putting slapping on regular paint on front doors, windows, et cetera. And I knew it would eventually chip, you know, scratch, fail, yep. whatever you want to call it. Um, and then a customer asked me, Hey, can you paint my vinyl windows? And I said, not really, not with what exists. But then I thought, well, if you go in a factory, they're painting vinyl windows, vinyl windows don't come in black, right? They're, they're sprayed on. So I figured, okay, if they can do it, why can't we do that on site? And the reason for that was, well, those products are not optimized to be applied on site. So I figured if we could reverse engineer that process, we'd be able to apply that on site and be onto something. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. Uh, and, and then we took it from there. Yep. So it's spraying. So your unique proposition, right? Is you're, you're spraying paint instead of rolling paint, brushing paint? No, that's just, one, that's just one part of it, right? Okay. So uh, the spray application is not unique to us, right? Every, there's a lot of people that spray. Uh, what's really unique to us is, well, we've got a few patents on our process, and I'll talk about one that's that's really important is, um, you know, I just spoke about the factory paint. Well, when you try to apply those products on site, they'll crack almost immediately because the thing is, they're made to dry really fast. So you can package a product and ship them out. So we actually have created tailored coatings while well, custom chemistry for smarter painting for each surface that we do that we can slow down or speed up based on the weather. Uh, that's what really allows us to give that 15 year warranty and that same factory finish. Uh, so it's not just the, the the equipment, which is the spray equipment. It's the process and the chemistry. So all three of those together are what allows us to do what we do. Okay. Okay. So let's slow that, slow that down a little bit. So the, the chemistry, <laughs> the chemistry side of it. Right. So traditional one, you're just going to Sherwin Williams or whatever. You're buying this paint, you're sticking it in this gun, you're spraying it on the, the vinyl or the brick or, you know, whatever it is. And so then what's so what's different or, or what are the challenges with that uh, compared to, to how you guys do it? Right. Well, well, that's the first issue, right, is you go to Sherwin and you've got exterior paint. Well, yep. exterior paint is quite vague, right? There's many surfaces on uh, on the exterior of a home. Right. And each surface requires something different. So a front door will require hardness, mar resistance, scratch resistance and a different gloss. Whereas your vinyl windows require something different, your aluminum siding, your brick, you get the picture, right? That's why we've got the custom chemistry. So we actually have a tailored surface-specific product for each surface, and they're actually specifically made to spray. So when you get a latex product at Sherwin-Williams, it's literally a one-size-fits-all product. So it's good and okay on most surfaces, but not great for anything. Uh, our goal was really, how do we give a 15-year warranty, that factory finish, but we really have to make customized products. And okay. That, that's, yeah, that's the big and then, so then if you're spraying on on brick, it's the same color, but it could be some sort of different ap application in the chemistry than if you're spraying vinyl, if you're spraying stucco, right? 
It's completely it different. Is. So we've, a, we've actually have 13 different chemistries, seven of which are the actual products, and the other ones are uh, whether to slow down the paint or not, and as well as prepping uh, solutions to make sure. Okay. That it's, 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 so how do you how do you figure all stuff out? I mean, you're not you're an engineer. Do you hire like a group of people? Like, how, how did you get to this this point from that from <laughs> the idea? At first, it was just a lot of research, and then I actually took some paint formulation courses. I literally traveled and said, "Hey, let me talk to these chemists and see see what's up." Um, and and then I then we hired a chemist, <laughs> okay. and, and and yeah, and then, and then we did it together. And finally, finally found someone who believed in the idea, and, and we figured it out together. Okay. And then, what are the patents that you guys have have on? So there's there's two patents that are actually approved. One is pending. So the first one is on our ability to actually weather adjust the products. Uh, so the one I, I kind of just already spoke about. The second one is actually on our ability to uh, tailor our coatings for the surface. So uh, what that means is we can actually fortify vinyl to be able to spray it in darker colors. Uh, at a technical level, vinyl will warp uh, if, if it gets too hot. So we actually increase the heat distortion rate of the vinyl and we're able to apply the coating right over that. So we're actually able to do vinyl in darker colors, which is not something you can normally do with, with, with regular coatings. And the third one actually is on our most exciting product, well, I think, because it's new, uh, is on our new roof coating. So we've actually been able to liquefy a roof, uh, and we regranule roofs. So not only do we refortify the roof, we can change the color of it, and actually prolong its life by up to 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's pretty so cool. Like yeah, so you, without doing it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I see that. You see these houses that is right in the sun, and they start to fade you know, white a little bit. But if I guess they're still in good condition, instead of spending whatever, 30, 40, 50 grand, you guys come in and, and apply a new coating to it. Is that the idea? Well, it's not even a coating. It's actually a liquid roof. So basically, we're re-roofing the roof without the mess and, and the time and the cost. So we've literally taken the same granules that you can get on your roof. Because the number one reason why roofs fail is the granules start shedding. So I don't know if you have an asphalt yeah. roof, but in yep. your gutter, you've all yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When that happens, well, the asphalt is exposed to the, to, to the weather, the UV and, and all of that stuff. And the asphalt starts to dry out and crack. So what we do is we actually glue on new granules. So we're literally re-roofing over your roof. Oh, wow. And we've managed to liquefy that. So it's not only just in, uh, in terms of fade, it'll actually protect your roof. Uh, and it's actually more impact resistant than a new roof. Uh, oh, wow. So hail or all that stuff. Cool. So let's talk about the, the business model then. I guess so for, you know, so you, you started this business, you decided, hey, I want to grow it. So you started, you know, you made it into a franchise. Like, What's like, who is your target customer? What are the common things you're getting? And then what's getting, then we'll get into kind of the franchisee side of it. But from a, a consumer standpoint, who, who hires you guys and what kind of services do they do? Well, anyone who's got a home, right? Uh, so typically it'll be a married couple with a single detached home. So that's, that's pretty big, right? Um, almost anybody because everyone's got something that we can do on the outside of their home and everyone's got a kitchen, right? Uh, typically we're looking at homes that have been built for at least 10 years, but we're starting to see that a lot of new homes kind of a cookie cutter model yeah uh, you know all the same with white windows and stuff we're starting to get into those too uh, where people want to personalize those also so i mean anybody with a single detached home <laughs> in reality and even actually even condos right like we starting to do a lot more condos now because of the kitchens um so the exterior single detached homes condos is is, is kitchen so uh, yeah uh, almost anybody yep so people that want like a an, a face uplift to their home you know, maybe the vinyl or the brick or whatever is still in good shape, but it's like old, it's dated, it's yellow or whatever it is. Instead of replacing it, you guys come here in factory grade finish to change the look and the style and the feel, right? For like significantly less than replacement. Yeah, exactly. That, that yeah. It. Cool. Yeah, I know you guys have been featured on HGTV a couple times, right? With some some home remodels. Can you speak to any of that? And Netflix. And Netflix too. Netflix too? too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we, well, I mean... We, the Netflix one was actually pretty cool because we we were on um, uh, Instant Dream Home, uh, episodes three and seven, if you want to check those out. Uh, but basically, the challenge was 
how do we give these people a brand new home uh, in a day? And that's basically what we do. So they reached out to us and we did it for them. It was actually a pretty cool experience. It was like over 150 people on site. <laughs> it was nuts. To, to spray this house in a day? Yeah, yeah. We did two of the houses on two episodes. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so let's talk about then from the franchise or, or e side. So you want to track franchisees to then replicate this business in their local market. Talk to me about, I guess, what is first, like who is the ideal franchisee? Who are the guys that have and girls who have so far succeeded in, you know, executing your model? I like that you said girls too, because we've literally got a power couple in Phoenix. Uh, it's two women. They're amazing. They're, they're killing it right off the bat. Uh, they're, they're beating all the records. So it's interesting because. People ask that question all the time, and it's quite varied. Uh, we've got people that were in the trades industry that do very well, right, as an owner-operator yep. because they like the business. We've got people that are ex-bankers. Ex, you know, uh, we have one guy that used to manage a REIT, uh, so you know, into real estate. He's doing really well. It's it's kind of varied. We've got franchisees as young as thirty. We've got franchisees, you know, up to 50, 55 years old. Um, it's literally someone who believes in this business, who understands it and you know has a passion about it, whether they want to operate it or not, you know, they need an operator otherwise, yep. uh, but who gets it, you know, understands that they can kill in their territory and is willing to put in the time, money, capital, whatever you need right, to run a business. Like you, you, you need to be involved somehow. Yep. So you guys started in Canada, right? You said you're, you're in Montreal. That was like kind of the first expansion. Do you have t- franchises up there or are they all corporate run? Yeah, so we actually literally just sold our last corporate territory last year. Um, so now everything is franchise. I mean, we still we still do a bit of corporate sales just because some of our franchisees, you know, the overflow will will go and help them do them do it. But we don't actually own any more territories. So all franchise. Okay, so you started them and then you sold them off, and then the U.S. it's one hundred percent franchising. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, and then what is um. Yeah, so what's what's a typical day in the life of a franchisee who's who's active? You know, they're active in the business. What what does it look like? So if we're talking about like a single unit franchisee, typically he'll be doing his own sales uh, and he'll be managing a crew of about five to 10 guys, depending if he's got one or two teams. Uh, so quite involved in the business full time. Um, and then we've got, I guess the guys that are working more on their business. So typically those guys will have multiple crews. Uh, so they'll have a salesperson, they'll have an uh, operations manager and three to five teams. So we're looking at a team of 15 to 25 guys. Um, and those guys are, are, you know, are looking to do the multi-million dollar uh, business. Whereas the owner operators will typically do, you know, make very good money, uh, but you know, run a business a bit under a million bucks. Okay. Okay. And then what is, um, what does the marketing side look like for us? Is it, is it SEO that drives to like a call center? Like walk me through, what does that, what does that look like? So we actually manage the digital stuff on their behalf. So everything to do with social, YouTube, remarketing, you know, the, the Google AdWords, all that stuff. Um, and everything is driven to our call center. So uh, it's driven to our call center. We have access to every franchisee's agenda or their salesperson's agenda, and everything is pre-qualified and scheduled directly in their agenda. So really their only responsibility at that point is to make sure that they show up and close the deal. Um, and so you guys, you guys, your team of trained sales guys runs the call center. Over the phone, you're able to, I guess you said qualify the customer, make sure the budget's kind of like, we're in a ballpark of whatever, 3000 to 5000 or whatever it is, and they don't expect to spend $500. Like, is that right, yeah. kind of what it looks like? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and also to make sure that they're a fit for us. So, like, sometimes it'll be like, hey, I want to do my wood deck that's, like, you know, decrepit. Well, you know, not something that we do, right? So, yeah. uh, we do have, you know, we reject about 13% of our leads, which is not huge, but, you know, some yeah. people are looking to paint the inside of their house. We don't do that. Um, so, we want to make sure that, you know, franchise is showing up to a qualified lead. Okay. And then the franchisee's job or sales rep job, whoever is to go then to this qualified lead, give the quote, um, what percentage do you think of, of franchisees close their the leads? Uh, our, our our good franchisees are just under fifty percent. Uh, okay. Our average is about thirty five percent. 
Okay. Um, but we've got an entire coding module. It's literally super easy for them. They just literally answer questions. It gives them the price. Uh, we've got automated text for the customers. We really help them on the sales side. Our goal is to get our average over 40. Um, and we're, we're a bit shy of that, but we'll get there soon. Yep. That's funny. So my business, you know, in, in automotive repair, we track, you know, lost sales or whatever in our close rates. And we're pretty much the same. Like our, like on average, we're about 45% of what we, we sell, like w- what we recommend. And, you know, right. yeah, the low stores are like the 30th, the, the higher guys are in the 50-ish. But um, anyway, right. it's, it's kind of <laughs> funny uh, how that translates. And so uh, what does it cost? What does it cost for somebody to start, uh, I guess, one territory up? About 125000 give or take. I mean, that includes uh, your cash flow that you need to start start up, right? You may not need all of that. You may need a bit more, but that's kind of the range, uh, depending on how quickly you start up. Um, so some franchises will start up slow, like in November. We'll have soft starts in November when really typically we start people in January. So if you start up in November, you want to have a bit more cash on hand. If you start up in January, you'll probably get going a lot quicker uh, because that's when people are looking to do stuff on their home. Yeah. Um, so the ramp up will just be a bit faster. And then what do they, you know, so what's that look like? I guess it's it's all the the spray equipment, the truck, the trailer, like for obviously a franchise fee, marketing, like what's what's all included in that? Yeah, basically everything. There's there's the cash flow, there's the initial marketing, there's the truck. Well, not the truck, the truck is a lease, the trailer, all the equipment, the franchise fee. Uh, the initial training fee, basically, it's, it's all it's all in there. There's nothing else. Really okay, in. and is is it like guys can operate it from their home, or is it kind of like need some sort of flex space, like a, like a garage or storage facility? That's a good question. I mean, historically, we've been people have been operating from their home until they've got more than one truck. Yeah, uh, we are looking into uh, you know moving more towards having some sort of space, just because Google My Business uh, prefers that. Yeah. Uh, so from an SEO standpoint, it makes more sense. Uh, but currently, people are uh, a lot of our franchises are running it from home. Okay. And you touched on sales a little bit, but can you, can you give, give me an idea of the range or whatever you're, you're allowed to tell me in terms of like, what are the, what are the, the best guys do? What are the average and what are kind of the lower, the lower ones do? Yeah, the best guys are selling over 2 million. Um, the average of our multi-unit franchises in Canada is about 1.2 million uh, in sales. Um, and our average in the system is just shy of a million, about, I believe it's 830,000. It'll be in our new FDD. Um, yeah. And we're finally getting, seeing some, some traction in the U.S. because Historically, in our in our past FDD, we've all had Canadian numbers because we didn't have any U.S. franchisees. So now we see that U.S. franchisees in their first year are doing, on average, thirty to forty percent higher than Canadians did in their first year. So okay. uh, that's a pretty promising number, actually. Uh, and what about margins? Can you speak to any of the the margin side of it? Yeah, so we we, we have a I think on average in our FDD last year was a fifty nine point eight gross margin. Uh, that's when you take away labor and product costs, which are your two main costs, uh, which is actually pretty high. Uh, for our average ticket, because we've got an average ticket of over six thousand dollars. So uh, typically, when the ticket size is that high, the, the margin will be a bit lower. So sixty percent gross margin. So forty percent of your million dollars on average is going towards labor and and paint. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. So that leaves you six hundred k. To then obviously you got to pay royalties. You got salaries of salespeople, marketing. You know all your right. all your truck payments, debt payments, all the other stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's strong. I mean, that's a strong. A lot of other. Painting franchises are in that kind of fifty percent range. So if you guys are at sixty percent, you got another ten points there, which should fall to the bottom line if you know everything yeah, else well, is similar, right? Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, exactly. It's so it's, it's it's big time on the bottom line, right? It can double your bottom line. Right? Yep. More. The reason why our margins are so high is because well, we're not competing against you know every everybody's brother-in-law. That's the, one of the main reasons why I got out of the conventional painting business is well, how long is this going to take you? Because I can pay my I can pay this guy fifteen bucks an hour, or my brother-in-law can do it. I was so tired of competing against everybody, whereas this is yeah. something that nobody can do themselves, right? Yep, and that's what that's what makes it unique. And what's how's the pricing compare to if they were going to give you guys a quote to paint their house? 
or vinyl or brick or whatever it is compared to the traditional like the Serta Pro or whoever like uh, it's funny that you say Serta Pro because that I was going to say compared to like a Serta Pro let's say a professional okay we're we're typically actually often going to be the same price and if not maybe 15 to 20 percent more expensive um we're with our because of our process our chemistry and our equipment we're able to do it much faster um so we actually have a higher margin as a result of that so it's basically yeah, so your labor cost is less well. right yeah lower yeah. okay and a lot of these guys subcontract. We don't, right? It's all our own employees. But because you, you had asked, um, like, oh yeah, when we compete against Surfro, the thing is, we also don't really compete against them in a lot of services. So there are some services where we will overlap. There's also a lot of stuff that they don't really do the way that we do, or it can't really do the way yep. that we do. Like right? the roofing, the roofing thing, or the vinyl windows, or probably the doors. Like... Right, exactly. Even even the way they do cabinets, they'll 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 paint them, but it's not the same thing, right? So yep. it, it kind of ends up being a no brainer for the customer as long as we get our foot in the door. Yep. Yeah. So we haven't touched at all on the, the kitchen cabinet side of it. Can you, you know, let's, let's talk about that. What, what service do you offer for the kitchens? Yeah. So this was a big one because of our Canadian franchise, obviously seasonality. Well, you're in Philly, same yep. thing. It's, it's cold, right? You can't do exterior. So, um, what, so when we started kitchens, I was actually really hesitant. I'm like, is this going to fit our promise? Right. Is it going to actually be different? So I interviewed a whole bunch of customers. I got their, their kitchens painted and, uh, the ones that got painted said, well, look, it ended up chipping, whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's normal. But I'm like, there's some guys that are doing this properly. They're taking off all the cabinets. They're spraying them in a factory and they're reinstalling. So I want to speak to those customers. And I said, well, what was the issue? Like, what, you know, what were your pain points? And they said, well, first of all, I had no cabinets for like a month. Uh, and I didn't know when I was getting them back. Uh, the second thing was when they reinstalled them, uh, well, my house smelled like a body shop for another month because, well, they spray them with solvent-based products. And, and then the third part, part was, well, all the sides, well, they had to brush and roll them. So it didn't really look the same. Mm, yeah, so I like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, if we can create chemistry that doesn't smell, we can do it on site, we can do it in a day or two, we'd be on something. It wasn't that easy, but we did it. And that's really our big differentiator is we kind of we kind of do it all, right? We fit between the, the convenience and affordability of regular painting with the factory painting. We're kind of in the middle there. Okay. So like you guys come into, so like my house, like in my kitchen, this, the people who owned it before me painted the cabinets with like white, whatever, off-white latex paint. So of course it's like chipping and peeling and looks terrible all around, you know, right. the contact points. And yeah. so what do you do about that? Is it, do you have to go and sand it? Like you can't spray over this like crappy paint. Like what's, can you walk me through some no, of the details? That That's, that's one of the things that we pre-qualify for. So we ask for pictures in that case. Like if it's really like completely decrepit, and we'll be like, hey man, there's not much we okay. can do for you. If there's little spots, we'll sand it. We'll make sure that we can prep it and spray over it. The thing is, the finish is just a, is, is only as good as the, as the finish under, right? So if it if it's still continuing to peel everywhere and you know it's not good, like there's only so much sanding we can do. So it depends on the state. I mean, uh, I'd say a peeling kitchens will probably do half of them. Okay, so you're you're really taking someone else's factory finish. And then just putting a new factory finish, not mine or whoever's that already someone attempted and butchered it. And then, well, we we will do them once in a while, but again, it depends on yeah. how much effort it requires for us to get it back. Because at that point, it becomes too expensive for you, and and, and it eats on the margin. And, you, of our and you're doing it all in house. So your team's going to the house. You're like, but are putting putting all the plastic and the, the stuff up to not get it. Yeah, we're setting up the spray booth literally in the dining room. <laughs> okay, and spraying the spraying the cabinets in there. We're UV curing them and reinstalling them. So like, it's a two day process. Sometimes okay. a one day and doing the and doing the sides too. Yeah, and yeah, the whole everything. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about and it doesn't smell? <laughs> and it doesn't smell. How do you how, how do you figure that out? How do you get the how do you get the smell out of it? Uh, <laughs> a few different things. We actually put some uh, called limonin. So it's uh, you know what you have in household cleaning products. Yeah. Uh, so it actually smells like clean. Uh, but also the fact that they're water based products. So uh, all the factory products are all solvent based. So when that's outgassing, it smells really bad. Uh, water doesn't really smell. So uh, mm. that yeah, that's the main piece. 
So then how much of your business is is cabinets and inside versus the exterior stuff for the for, I guess for the US for the US franchisees? For the US, it's almost 50-50 in Canada, it's like 80-20, just because they're so busy outside, they don't even do kitchens uh during during the summer. Um, but in the US, since we start, we actually start franchises with kitchens just because it's a bit simpler to do. It's one surface, one process. Uh, and then they kind of uh, upgrade or you know graduate to exteriors. Then how do people find out about? Because like people, most people don't even know you can refinish your kitchen cabinets, right? Like they think, oh, I got to get a new kitchen, and it's like you know some crazy stupid number now, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, someone at a at a one of my wife's you know uncles told me, oh yeah, you should get them refinished. I got a quote. I, I forget what it was. I don't think it was like seven grand or something. But that was yeah. like totally going to a wood shop and like you know strip like totally. Yeah. And I think it was re. I think it was new doors too because the doors were all messed up. But <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, how do you educate the public? Like, how do people find you? I mean, that seems to be the biggest challenge of that side of it, right? It, it, that is our biggest challenge, right? And it's marketing, right? Like, we we, we, we figured out a, a formula that works, right? It's a combination of digital, guerrilla marketing, you know, next door, all of that stuff. And it's really like the first year is a grind. But once you get the name out there, it becomes a no-brainer. So it, it exponentially explodes, right? So, like, one, especially exteriors, when you do one on the house, one on the street, you almost get almost all the neighbors, right? Because people are like, what's that? How is this possible? You know, let me go touch it. Oh crap, I want to get that done, right? So exterior is like, it's really easy. Uh, for kitchens, it's just it's just marketing, right? Like yep. people people know that you can, re, you can redo your what's kitchen. A, what's a ballpark cost? Give me like a range on, a, on redoing a kitchen that's like a, I don't know, standard. Our job size is about 4,500 bucks in kitchens, but we're starting to see that creep over the $5,000 mark now. Yeah, and you compare that to new. I mean, new it could be. I mean, obviously you get countertops and all this stuff, but you'd be spending twenty five, thirty thousand dollars easily. Oh, if you do countertops, probably more than that. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah. I don't know. Cool. So, what are the biggest challenges you guys face? Is it seasonality? I mean, so talk a little bit about that. Like, what's the lowest that you can you can go in temperature wise? Is it freezing? Yeah, freezing. So for exterior stuff, depending on where you are in the U.S., like I mean, in Dallas, the basic it, can operate anytime. <laughs> in Philly, probably similar to here, maybe a bit more mild. So you'll probably operate from April to November. Uh, so you just get November, December, January, February, March, where you're not operating exterior. But that's typically when we ramp up on the interior side. So all the kitchen stuff. Uh, and some franchises will, like overlap and do both during the summer too, uh, depending. But usually for certain franchises, we'll shut off the marketing for kitchens uh, and they'll just get the organic leads uh, and, and really focus more on the exterior stuff during that period. And is it is it temperature-based? Is, is it 32 degrees like the whole day or is it like at a certain point? Like even here today, it's probably... I mean, it's like it's gonna be sixty later today, right? In, right. in February. Um, yeah, yeah. Here too, actually, it's pretty warm today. I mean, t- technically, as long as it holds for forty-eight hours. Um, so it has to stay above freezing for forty-eight hours. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, yeah. So I can imagine. I mean, the workflow would be, you know, even all these leads you're getting for kitchen cabinets, you're probably trying to delay those, right, and to get them all done in the winter time, right? So you can focus more the summer and the spring during on the exteriors. Yeah, and, and that's why we kind of shut off the proactive marketing, like the AdWords and the Facebook stuff. But I mean, some franchises will do both all year round, right? It depends on how big they want to grow their business. Yep. Um, but it's because capacity is our biggest issue, especially in Canada. Most of our franchises are more senior, so they just they just can't take on more work, even though they're adding more teams. It's just we've been around for a while, so they just have too many leads, right? Yeah, and then what do they? What are they, what are the guys doing with their crews then if the business drops during that those couple months? Is it well? Typically, I mean. So in Canada, I'll speak Canada because in the U.S. it's, it's pretty linear. But uh, in Canada, um, normally they'll have like let's say six, seven crews uh, exterior, and then they'll, they'll drop down to two crews, and there'll be four of those two, those six crews that just don't want to work in the winter. So they'll go on employment insurance. They're just they're just used to that. Um, or they get some sort of seasonal was, job, and then they're rehiring them. 
Right. That was our biggest challenge, actually. We figured like, oh, we're going to have all these guys and nobody wants to do kitchens. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> we have to hire new people now to do kitchens? We thought you guys wanted to work all year round. In Canada, that was a big surprise. So only a specific percentage of the guys actually want to work all year. Okay. And then what's, what, uh, in terms of hiring and training, like, is it, is it hard for these guys to learn or is it like you need to have painting experience? Walk me through like the, the technical side of it there. Yeah. Well, we, the whole point of the chemistry is to make it as easy as possible for people to do within reason, right? So we actually prefer not to hire painters. We prefer to hire just anybody uh, and, and teach them the process. It's, it's relatively simple to do what, if you follow all the steps. Um, and we've seen like people that have never, never did any trade able to do it, no problem. So uh, we like to we like to hire an attitude and teach them for skills, right? Okay, so relatively easy to hire. Is any, anybody who's can follow the process, they can show up on time, you know? Yeah. They don't mind being on a, on a ladder, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You can you can teach them how to do it. Okay. What is what is some of your biggest challenges in terms of actually growing the franchise, like going from a franchisee to a franchisor? Uh, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced personally? Finding the, finding the right franchisees. Um, it's really difficult, more than you'd expect, because everybody interviews well. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody seems amazing at the beginning, but... It's really when they hit that transition curve of like, oh man, like everything's having, well, you know what it is, you have, you've got yeah. a business, right? Like yeah. there's ups and downs. It's how they deal with those downs. And you don't, it's very hard to know that before. <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, if you keep going, you're going to succeed, but people need to have the grit to keep going, right? So that's our biggest challenge is how do we, how do like, and I don't know the answer because there's some people that I thought were going to not do well and did amazing. Like our franchisee of the year last year, I literally said that it's crazy. And then some people that you think are going to be amazing. They're like, well, they just crumbled after like, you know, they think they got two less leads than they expected. Right. So yeah. It's, yeah. But, yeah. That is the biggest challenge I think with any franchise or is like they, you know, franchisees are not like employees, like they do yeah. whatever they want to do. Right. And it's, <laughs> you know, trying to find people who align, you know, with the core values and they understand the business. And like you said, they've got grit and they're motivated, but it's uh they can do they can do whatever they want and as long as they're not like in default like you guys i mean any franchisor can't really make them do anything right beyond yeah it's in the fcd so like it's yeah it's that interview process and making sure they, they really believe in the brand and you know obviously it's a challenge for you guys because you want to grow and fill out new markets but then you also you know grow grow with the right people and not uh just anybody who's got the money so yeah like to give you an example here in canada like We've got franchisees doing about half a million bucks and they can grow to 2 million. They just don't want to because they're comfortable. They're making enough money. Yeah. Uh, so you can't know that before, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and for you guys, then you have that, like that territory is locked up and like, you know, kind of is what it is, right? Yeah. There's um, customers calling in and we're just refusing all this work. And yeah. How big is How big is the territory for, for the U.S. The franchisees? It's, it's 75,000 single detached homes. So basically those, those are the people that we're targeting. Okay. And I guess that depends on obviously the density, but what, like so 200,000 population or 300,000, like something in that? Like a yeah, couple zip codes? exactly. Yeah. In, okay. In um, and do you see that the, the ones in the more Southern markets do better than the North, more Northern ones? Like it's, it's not better. It's different. Uh, the type of services that they'll do will be different. Um, but like Florida's killing it every, every time we, we have a new franchisee in Northern Florida, I mean, they sign like over 50 K in their first two weeks. So uh florida is definitely booming but i think we all know that right like florida is booming period but uh we, i mean look our franchisees in the northeast are doing really well too so i i, I think depend, North, yeah. yeah northeast for us is something that we know better yeah <laughs> we're more used to just because similar weather but but yeah south obviously is better because it's 12 you know 12 months you can do outside almost yep cool and what's your vision for the company like where do you want to take this thing in, in five years like what does success look like 
So a mentor of mine once told me, um, if you can make all, you know, if you can make even the C player franchisees uh, do well, that means you success, succeed as a franchisor. So our goal is to have a hundred franchisees doing a hundred million. So I want the average franchisee to be doing a million bucks because only 5% of all businesses actually make it past that million dollar revenue, which is a surprising stat. But if we can have our franchise be in the top 5% of business people, that would be amazing. Yep. And how many, how many, so you have 125 territories. Some of those guys have multi territories. How many, how many franchisees do you have now? We have 65. 65. Okay. And how many of those are doing over a million? Uh, Right now, we've got about 15% of them doing over a million. Okay. Yep. I think a lot of them are selling over a million. Uh, They're just not producing it right now. Okay. And what's, is it because of employment problems? They can't hire the people or they just don't want to? They're comfortable? Like, what's, what do you think the reason is? Comfort. Comfort. <laughs> if I'm making enough money, why do I need to bust my head, right? And and that's not something we're seeing in the U.S. though. U.S. See, people want to push, uh, so that's why I'm excited about our expansion in the U.S. Okay, so it's more in Canada. You know, they have a ton of backlog. They're just working through backlog instead yeah. of um, yeah. hiring more, training more. Like, is it? I mean, part of the challenge, even in us, with like you know, we have 30 locations, right? Is like you you come up with this. You have to have this whole tier of management. For us, it's like six right. district manager or. One district right. manager can have six, six to seven stores. And now I've got like COO who oversees, like, so you have to build this whole pyramid. Right. And it does become harder and, and more of a challenge to, to move things in the direction you want to move them because of the, you know, there's just so many more people involved in it. Yeah. So I definitely, I mean, I understand these other people who are, they're at a certain level and it's like, cause to go to the next, like becomes this whole new yeah. challenge and problem. And they have to like, what got them there, like doesn't get them to the next level. Like there's a whole book on that, right? Not so, talking Gladwell, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, that's what, you know, they got in. I mean, I guess for you guys, like that's you, you know your role is to try to open their eyes to you know what what's possible, and actually it um exactly. you know, it actually does become easier. The bigger you get, it becomes easier. You just have to go through some growing pains it, uh, yeah, to exactly. to get there. So, yeah. Yeah. um, cool. Any any other things you want to leave me? Questions I didn't ask you? Um, no, I, I I mean, speaking of books, I, I would say if there's any potential franchisees listening, I would read the the wealthy franchisee. Uh, okay. Scott Greenberg, he actually was our keynote speaker at our convention about a month ago. Uh, really good book if you're looking to get into franchising and understanding what it's all about. Um, his keynote was amazing too. Our franchisees loved it. So I'd, I'd recommend that book. Awesome. Cool. So if anybody's interested in connecting with Carmelo and learning more about uh, the SprayNet opportunity, they can text me at 215-703-8665. I will personally introduce you to their team and I work uh, with you through the entire process. And um, it's, it's great. So 215-703-8665. So thanks again, Carmelo, for, for coming on. And it was great uh, meeting you. Thanks, Brian. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 